it's time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. Happy Friday to everybody out there. I hope everyone has really been enjoying the recent podcast, specifically the Friday episodes. As you know, we have guests on Friday typically to have a long form conversation or to catch up or just to uh, talk about uh, what's in the news, current events and things of that nature. Well, uh, today we got another great guest today. We're going to be joined by Joe Demers. And uh, for those that don't know Joe, um, Joe is, uh, I get, it's funny how you describe people sometimes, right? Uh, the, their official titles or whatever. And, uh, honestly, I don't know a lot about, uh, Joe Demers. I do know that he's married to, uh, Ginger Lunny now Ginger Demers, of course, uh, Ginger Lunny. A great athlete at Rio Hondo Prep back in the day, and uh, also a, a great coach at Rio Hondo Prep. Uh, Joe and Ginger were married a, little, a few years ago, and Joe has a perspective that I want to talk to him a lot about today as someone who who kind of came from the outside, I guess, if you will, to to uh, be involved in CARE Youth League. And for those that don't know, for those not affiliated with Rio and CARE, and, and again, I get a ton of my guests from from that uh, that pool, really, because these are the people I know. And when you go to Rio or you've, you've, gone, you've gone through CARE, you understand that, yeah, you kind of know everyone in some, uh, some for, form or fashion. And, you know, so many of my guests have been uh, from there. And there's been some officials on here, too. But uh, most people have gone through the program, um, are, are now either still involved or, you know, were of course, and, and moved on, but still support it. And so we talk a lot about care and Rio here on, on the podcast, people go th- their journey through there. Well, Joe is someone that, uh, didn't go through the program, but did, you know, kind, did not kind of did, did bury someone involved heavily in the program. And so that's what I mean by like the outsider, uh, you know, uh, uh, outlook, I should, the outsider outlook, that might be the, uh, the title of our, of our, of our show today. Um, but, you know, Joe has that because that, that outsider outlook and sometimes uh, to truly get uh, to look inside uh, the look inside of something, right. Uh, you need a kind of a broader perspective, someone who wasn't, who, who wasn't involved in it, didn't grow up playing sports and care and, and know all these leaders and everything your whole life. Sometimes you get the true uh, analysis, if you will, of, uh, from someone who isn't invested, right? It's a lot of times with sports teams, um, the, the fan base, it's Spanish short for fanatic, right? Uh, they've been loyal, they've suffered, they've had uh, great times. And so they're just, uh, you get you get a kind of a biased perspective at times, and so with, uh, and so my my point my my analogy I'm coming up here. Sorry, it's a little early in the morning. Uh, is that uh, sometimes to get an honest assessment of a team, you, you need that from an unbiased opinion from uh, you know a commentator or someone who's a fan of another team or whatever. Now that said, I am not saying uh, people who support care are fanatics or anything like that. I mean, we're we're all fans of care and Rio. Uh, but again, this is just a, a different perspective. I love different perspectives, right? I have a lot of friends with very different perspectives who came uh, from a lot of different backgrounds. That's what makes this world great. So it's not to say Joe is like some kind of 
uh, I don't even know how to say this. Oh, he, you know, he's, he's not one of, not one of us or something like that. That's not what I mean. I'm just trying to paint a picture for you guys that, uh, that, you know, maybe aren't involved with care like Joe is. And, uh, uh, for those of you who were, are involved or were involved with Care Rio, you know what I'm talking about. So anyway, with that being said, we're going to bring Joe on here and talk to him about that perspective, but also some things I know that he and I share a lot of uh, common interests. Uh, Joe's a big baseball fan. Uh, he roots for those uh, those hated ones up north, the San Francisco Giants. So a uh, lot to talk about with, with baseball starting back up again. I know Joe wanted to come on here and talk about uh, the new rules and kind of the MLB agreement and everything. So we're going to do some of that today. I can't wait. Joe and I have not talked a whole lot. So uh, this is going to be raw and, and hopefully entertaining. And I'm very much looking forward to it. So without uh, delaying any further, let's jump on here and bring on uh, Joe Deemers onto the Get Home Safe podcast. Okay, joining me today is Joe Deemers, and uh, Joe, you and I have never really chatted much, so I'm looking forward uh, for this opportunity here. Good morning. How are you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me on. Well, Joe, I was trying to think of ways to describe you, uh, you know, and uh, you told me off the air here you're a structural engineer, but I think you're, you're probably your, your biggest, uh, I don't know, title, I would say, other than dad, of course, is uh, you're... You're you're the guy married to Ginger Lunny, Ginger Deemers. I am. Yeah, I am. So I kind of I kind of married into this this care community. I wasn't a not a not here by birth, just married in. <laughs> well, as I mentioned, uh, kind of in my intro, sometimes you get the true perspective of someone who you know wasn't necessarily involved. Like sometimes you get better answers on things from maybe your friends than your family, where you choose your friends and not so much your family. So I'm sure you got some great, uh, great perspective for us today on, on care youth league and real Hondo prep and such. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, Joe, let's, let's talk about uh, first off kind of where you grew up, uh, where are you from and how did you end up uh, down here in Southern California? Okay. I, I grew up in Sacramento um, I went to college in San Luis Obispo, and then I came down to Southern California for work in 2003. Um, and then, let's see, it was 2007. I met Ginger. We got married in 2009. And uh, that's how I ended up here. And that's, uh, yeah, that's how I ended up here. Um, do you want me to talk about uh, my high school experience growing up, things like that? Yeah, yeah, sure. Where, did, where You went to high school in the Sacramento area also? Yeah, yeah, I went to Sacramento High School, which interestingly is the it's the second oldest high school in California. Um, although it doesn't really exist anymore, they they kind of they shut it down in two thousand and three, um, and then they reopened it later as a charter school. But uh, yeah, I grew up in Sacramento, and it's interesting that my high school experience was it was the opposite of going to Rio Hondo Prep. It was the opposite <laughs> of your experience. So uh, first thing, it was huge. It was two thousand people. Um, my, I mean, my graduating class alone, there were hundreds of people in it I never even met, I never even knew. I mean, that's like, how big was, how big was your class? 15, 20, me and 14 15. others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had hundreds of people in my graduating class. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't even know, I didn't even know if the teachers knew my name. Like I was, you know, they could have been like DMV workers for all I knew, you know, they were just, I was just going to class and you know, some of them were good, some of them were okay. But um, one time, so like one time when Ginger and I were dating, uh, we were at her house and she got a phone call and it was one of her students. And she was, he was calling to ask about the homework. And I'm like, your teachers have your phone number or your students have your phone number? What? I never would have even conceived. You know, I never would have even thought of 
calling a teacher on the phone, but I mean, that's, that's a, that's a big difference. The biggest difference of all between my high school and Rio is that you think, you know, big public school, kind of potential sports powerhouse. No, we're terrible at sports. Not only were we terrible at sports, like I didn't play sport. I didn't even know anyone who played sports. Like none of my friends played sports at school. Yeah. I mean, you know, you have a school of 2000 people, like what, one out of 50 of them is on the football team. Like maybe one out of a hundred of them is on the basketball team. It's just, it just wasn't a factor. It wasn't anything anyone talked about. I didn't, I, I didn't know if we went to the playoffs. I didn't know when baseball season started. It was just like not a factor at all. So very total opposite of Rio. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I can't imagine. See, for, for, for me, I remember going to high school and I always thought or had other friends who, you know, weren't involved in things. I was like, how do you go through high school? Isn't it boring just like going to school and nothing else and not having all these other uh, activities? But I mean, again, that's all I, I knew. So what was it like for you? I mean, uh, did you participate in anything else outside of sports or was it just kind of school and head home and do other things? Um, well, yeah, a lot of times after school, you just went home. <laughs> um, uh, we did have, we did have a pretty good drama program. I was in a couple of musicals so that, uh, you know, that was some time for part of the year, but I mean, lest you think my, my high school experience was, was just terrible. It wasn't, um, the, the things that Rio filled for you, for me was mostly filled at my church. You know, we had a, like a high school group. There was maybe 40 or 50 high schoolers and we all came from different schools and then but we had you know we went on trips we had that's where a lot of my great memories from high school come from any people that I'm still in touch with were people that I knew from church not people from school and that's where I had like uh you know great leaders that were an influence on me you know the kind of people that you had at Rio and Care or the people that I had at my church and um yeah so it was just it was very different well I think that's that's so important you make a, a great point there it with your experiences but like I look around now and you see, you know, teenagers have so many distractions and I think it's more important now than ever that they do have some type of outlet. Maybe it is sports and all these different, uh, you know, drama and musical programs or something. And, and hopefully it's also something involved in it, in a church because your, your church groups and everything, uh, as you said, get, give you so many memories. So I, I, I get a little, I don't know, sad when I see kids not doing something. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in, in one, one way or another. And, and with the church stuff, was it, you know, it's not easy for, to convince teenagers to do those things also. Was it, was it a push from mom and dad or was it just a, something you wanted to be a part of? Um, it was more from, um, a couple of my friends were going and they invited me starting at about middle school and that's how I ended up going. Um, and it actually probably ended up more similar than you would think to your experience there. I mean, like we had a yearly, ministry trip to Mexico, which I think you guys did too. And um, let's see what else. Yeah, just overnighters, camps, all the good memories I have and stuff all come from that. And so, yeah, if if I had just gone home from high school every day at three o'clock and didn't do anything that it probably would have been, you know, not, you know, not a very good teenage years, but it, but it was because of my church experience. Well, that's, uh, that's awesome. You mentioned uh, being in a few mu musicals. Does that mean you got got some vocal cords there, Joe, like, uh, like your wife, Ginger? I do. Yeah, yeah. My kids get it from both sides of the family, I think. We got, we got some talent <laughs> wow. on both sides. I like it. I like it. Awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, well, so, uh, you know, high school ends for all of us one day. We still talk about it sometimes, talk about the old days and everything. But after high school, um, it moved, moved on to college and 
you, you, was that an easier transition because it was you went from this giant high school to you know a pretty large university um yeah yeah i guess so um i also you know i went away to college to a college town and everyone there is from somewhere else so everyone you know everyone lives in the dorms everyone um is uh you know everyone's new everyone wants to meet people so and again that was very different from say ginger's experience going to pomona and commuting um so i still have a lot of really good friends from college also um actually a group of us we get together and we go on a trip every summer and so we've done that for like almost 20 years straight now so um yeah college was really fun years for me and um and yeah college is going going to slow is what it eventually got me down here to southern california well, Cal Poly uh, San Luis Obispo is a phenomenal campus, great area. Um, and, and you're right, all the kids who attend are from somewhere else. Uh, you get that mix kind of of Northern California kids, Southern California kids, although probably a lot more Northern. And uh, I've been there, Tumpire Baseball, great, great field. Uh, they, they play football, they have a nice football stadium. And, and so from an athletic standpoint, I've always been like, oh, Cal Poly still is a, a great university. So what, what would you say, did you take any any great memories from from your your college years, or was it just kind of a blur? Li- living on campus and being involved, I mean, in the heart of it like that, is a totally different experience for people like me who commuted every day. So, what would you say? I don't know some lessons, maybe, or something from from your college years. Hmm. Um, one thing was uh, right away I got involved with with InterVarsity with a Christian group, and I think that was really important. That got me, you know, hooked up to friends right away kind of kept me obviously there's a lot of temptations a lot of bad ways you could go in college when you're living on your own I mean just the idea of an 18 year old going away and living somewhere without their parents I, that's that's a little that's a little risky who came <laughs> up surprised. with this as a standard yeah. right you're like yeah yeah why, why do why do parents allow that I don't know but um <laughs> but getting involved you know right away with good people helped a lot and um yeah again we went on went on trips and uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, just like having dinner with a hundred friends every night is, it's crazy. And it's, it's really, you know, living in the dorms and stuff is a really cool experience. It's really fun. I don't know if it works for everyone though, because there were some kids that in the dorm that first year, they, they were gone after three months because they just couldn't figure it out. They couldn't, they couldn't wash their clothes and eat meals when they needed to, and they just weren't ready for it. So I guess it's not for everyone. No, it's not. I think um, it's, it's weird. I, I, I find the, the college experience interesting because I've, I, I obviously was there one time and was on college campuses and dorms and things, but like you, it's a sink or swim situation where you either sink, like you, you kind of learn how to be, you, you kind of learn to be an adult, but I, but I would also argue, I, I, I think people who are commuting and going to, I don't know, doing that life too, being away from the college campus. I, I think in some ways you, you grow up a little bit too. Um, I, not to get too into too many weeds here, but I feel almost like colleges in the recent years anyway, have done a lot of damage to kids and kind of giving them. I talked about this years ago, like college is like a bubble sometimes. And it's just like, you're young, you're vulnerable, whatever. And you're in this this group, this just small bubble, basically, and it's like a, a utopian thoughts, and it's just like, well, that's not how the real world works. That was kind of the arguments with with care at times, but I think in colleges, yeah. that's really where there's some uh, potential risks and things. 
Yeah, and I think maybe that's probably even increased since I was in college. Um, you know, when I went there, there was, you know, there was the dorms and there was a rec center and some places to eat. And I just went back and visited about 10 years ago. And it's 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 like doubled. Like they tore down the, rec, the fairly new rec center and built a newer, better rec center. And they built new dorms, which are like apartments that like have their own swimming pool and have their own like coffee shops. And it's like, you know, there's like a mall there. I mean, yeah, I mean, these, you know, 18 year olds are living in these dorms and they're not going to live ever somewhere so nice and fun in their life after that. Like, it's not real life at all. It's, I almost feel like, you know, you or, or Ginger, someone who, you know, went to school and worked and did other things, that, that's really kind of more preparation and that's kind of more real life than, than uh, what a lot of kids are getting in college now. That's a great point. You live in a, you live in a building that you're, you're never going <laughs> to live in yeah. this nice or maybe not immediately. Yeah, that's definitely how I felt for sure. Well, well Joe, uh, great college experiences. You, you, you said it eventually led you to uh, down here to Southern California where you would eventually meet Ginger. So uh, I don't know if that's, you know, God's path or whatever you want to call it, but it sure seemed like it. So tell me how mm -hmm. uh, call or after college kind of led you down here and meeting Ginger. Yeah, so um, I got a job in Pasadena, so I moved there. Um, I didn't really know anyone, but I lived um, I lived almost right across the freeway from Lake Avenue Church, which, you know, anyone who lives in the area knows it's that big church right there on the freeway. And so I got involved there. Um, uh, I had, you know, good experiences there for, for several years. And around that time, uh, Ginger started going there, too, just to kind of you know, meet people and just kind of, I don't know what you call it, you know, just kind of stretch out a little. And so she decided, okay, this church is huge. I got to get in some kind of smaller group where I can meet people. So, you know, she's a singer. She decided to join the choir. Um, now at Lake Avenue Church, the choir sings every week. They sing at every service, which means they practice like twice a week. And the only people who can do that really are like, are like people over 60. <laughs> so... So she's trying to meet people. She ends up in a choir with a, a bunch of, you know, older people. But it turns out there was one there was one girl there who was her age named Sarah, and she happened to be a friend of mine. So we uh, we ended, I think it was at a Christmas party at Sarah's house that Ginger and I ended up meeting. So, yeah, it all uh, it all worked out. That, that's fantastic, because you think about it. I mean, I sure would if I showed up there the choir and it was all older people. It's like, um, hey, I, I made a mistake. I probably, you know, oh, I, I walked into is, the wrong room. Uh. Yeah, yeah. But she, knowing Ginger, and, and I don't know her great, but she, you know, she was a teacher of mine and uh, always very friendly and outgoing. And just, I could see her making friends with the, well, everybody and fitting right in and then uh, making good friends with the, the, the younger person there and, and uh, making it work. I think uh, that's a wonderful, wonderful story. So at uh, what which date did she bring up? So I was, I'm involved in this uh, youth sports organization in this, uh, this Rio Hondo prep school. Um, she, I guess she learned this from past experience. She kind of laid it on me gradually. She didn't, she didn't just do it like that. She figured I'll just, I'll just let him figure it out. It's fine. <laughs> Which was probably good. I mean, the whole, the whole care community, like it's not that weird. It's a little unusual, but I kind of think it's more like, it's more like living in a small town, you know, like, mm. If you lived in a small town, you would know this, you know, you would meet kids and then you would grow up and go to high school with them and you would know their parents and their parents had gone to that same high school and you would still, you know, go to the football games after you graduated. That's actually how a lot of people, that's how it is for a lot of people. It's just not, not in, not in LA County, but um, 
<laughs> so it's really it's not it's not that unusual, but it's a little unusual. So she brought it on gradual, and mm-hmm. uh, I mean, were there certain moments where she's bringing things up and you're like, wait, what? How many people? You know, like how many people did you graduate with? Wait, you know yeah. every you know, it's you're right from the perspective of if you don't know Carrie Rio, it does seem there's been some bad names thrown around and I don't get into that, but like, yeah, it's a very small town feel. It's so unique and it's just, it's very different. So it is hard to explain to people. So what were some, she's talking to you gradually, what were some things that kind of came up and you're like, wait, what? Um, like, <laughs> I guess there were times I noticed she would talk about different teachers or different coaches. And then I would realize they were related. I'd be like, Oh, those two people are sisters. And Oh, all of the, what there's like, 12 cousins of all of this in the same family. <laughs> there was, um, let's see. Um, oh, so I, uh, like I say, I was going to Lake Avenue Church and I kept going there while we were dating. And I just said, you know, once we had decided to get married, I said, okay, I'll go, I'll go to your church. But um, I'd been there a couple times. And I think the first time I went, like it didn't occur to me that when I walked in there, every single person would know I was a new person and every person would know I was there with Ginger. And I think, I think Pastor Horton actually like, like called me out from the stage. Like, oh, we, we got a visitor. He's here with Ginger. Joe, Did everyone say hi to Joe. It was like, I was mortified. What? All the heads turn. <laughs> yeah. That is the worst I mean, as soon, feeling. When all the I mean, as soon as I walked like in, you. as soon as I walked in, everyone knew I was, uh, I was a new guy there. But so that was a little weird. But no, this, this is an even better one. So I was, you know, starting to figure out that, that there was a sports league here and that there, um, you know, a lot of people, the coaches and everything all went to church. And so, uh, you know, he had said, Pastor Horton had said something about football. And then he said, oh, uh, we got some guys here. We got the, we got the Stanford guys here. We got some guys from Stanford here. And I'm thinking to myself, the Stanford football team is here. Like what? <laughs> I didn't know there was, I didn't know there was a care Stanford football team. Why are there Stanford football players here? Yeah. When they renamed all the teams from, you know, the Gators Atlantic and all this, you know, they, they chose college teams, which I was like, eh, I don't really like because it, it leads to confusion like that. That's hilarious. <laughs> Whoa. Stanford football team came down for church. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it makes, it makes sense though. Cause the college teams, they play every sport. So like, it's kind of, yeah. You know, it's kind of weird if you were like the Dodgers and you were a basketball team, but if yeah, it's a college oh, team, no. it works. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So uh, it was odd. It was uh, some funny moments, but um, was there still a sense? Did you feel a sense of kind of a, a welcoming, a uh, to look around and be like, man, there's some there's some really great people here. Uh, everyone was always really nice to me. Um, some people really went out of their way to to be. Yeah, to be to be nice and welcoming. It is it's it's a hard hurdle though to go in a place where so many people have known each other all their lives and uh have so many common experiences and some of them kind of a sense that like, you know, hey, you know, I've got my friends, I don't need any more friends. So uh it did take a little while to feel comfortable and to kind of find my niche there. Um but uh but yeah, I'm 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 glad I did. And yeah, there's a lot of great people and a lot of great um there's no other place I'd want to have my kids at this point. Um, you know, at, at Pearl, like I trust every teacher, I trust every coach, which, you know, these days it's a little, it's a little scary to, you know, have kids out in the world and to see what they could be, could be experiencing. So it's, it's definitely the right community for me to come into. 
Yeah, and and Ginger has always been someone very outgoing, very you know, always smiling. You can't, she can't, she's the type of person she can't walk by someone without saying hello or or even across the room. So, uh, yeah, you got thrown into it big time with uh, with Ginger there being uh, who she was and just a wonderful, wonderful person. Um, so <laughs> you're not just you didn't just marry into care basically. But you married into the Lunny family, and we all know the Lunnies here on the podcast. Tell me what that experience is like. What a uh, and I and I say this term uh, with endearment, a, a cast of characters, if you will. Mm. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I love all the Lunnies. Um, um, you know, Tim, I see definitely all the time, and um, Bob. Uh, I, I think early on when Ginger and I, I think the first time I met him was uh, he he got us into Disneyland. And so I met him in his in his elements in Disneyland and his you know full full thing and everything. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, the Lunnies are great. Um, I know you want to talk about about Mr. Lunny for sure. Um, it's 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 kind of unfortunate when I met him. He you know he had you know Parkinson's and dementia and was really, and that was kind of starting to progress so I didn't really know Mr. Lunny the way the way that you and everyone remember him it's just very sad because everything you know everything I hear about him is is so amazing and I hear great stories and you know I knew him for a long time but I didn't really know the the Mr. Lunny that that you knew well we've had a great opportunity on here to talking to you know uh, alumni and stuff and having um you know having conversations about uh, men like Gary Lunny who was so impactful and just man he was so funny when he talked everyone got everyone listened and i mean the, the vietnam side of him would come out sometimes you know he just did hey mm-hmm. boom you know what huh you know he just he was so i i've never met a, an individual so unique you know a latin teacher choir teacher who was also a defensive coordinator in football and just an amazing mind and a wonderful person person he's definitely he's definitely missed and i'm sure you still get um I don't know, memories and stories from not just the Lunnies, but care people as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, just listening to your show um, and especially around when he passed away, everyone had something amazing to say about him. And I still, you know, I still see his artwork on the walls. I still hear music he wrote at church and um, yeah, I mean, his, you know, his influence is all over the place. Well, I, I just remembered this uh, that, um, and, and I think to talk, I talked to Ginger about this, but your guys's wedding. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he couldn't physically walk down the aisle. And I think it was Ginger came up with the idea that she wanted music that he had written to kind of walk her down the aisle. And so it was uh, me and Ken Lee uh, and uh, Tim Lunny mm-hmm. who played our trumpets to to that song as Ginger uh, walked walked uh, up the aisle by herself, but carried by uh, by the music that her father wrote. Yeah, yeah. There was a there was a lot of moving parts in that in that wedding. There was a lot of little pieces, and one of them, yeah, was the trumpet trio that Mr. Lenny had written that you you got to participate in. So yeah, see, it, he's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was an absolute honor, and to do it for Ginger, who uh, I told I always said got me through got me through chemistry and biology. I don't know how, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, some great stories with. It. She was a young teacher when we were, you know, juniors and seniors in high school. She was just starting out really at the high yeah, school. Yeah, you must level. have been, you must have been like in one of her first classes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she told me that because I was, oh, I don't know how I, how I, how I got through it. But uh, yeah, well, she tells the ammonia story every year, I, I guess. Because <laughs> uh, I, you know, you said, hey, you know, it's lightly. And I just took a huge whiff and was like, whoa. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm proud to, 
contribute to her science class every year. <laughs> uh, was she teaching when you guys when you guys met? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and co- was she, uh, she? She was coaching uh, high school for a little bit there, especially basketball. Um, yeah, she, she she had been coaching basketball. She wasn't anymore. Um, she was coaching soccer at that point, and uh, she kept coaching right up until probably a year after our first our first child was born, and then. And then her coaching days were kind of over after that. Yeah, she's got to run around and, uh, you know, chase chase kids now. Like mm-hmm. I'm sure you do as well. How many kids do you guys have now? Uh, we have three. Wow, three. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see, I'm trying to remember, boys and girls, two girls, one boy, is that right? Or Yeah, yeah. So Kendall is 10, Clara is eight, and Luke just turned four. Wow. Was the Luke was the Luke a, a Star Wars thing or no? <laughs> <laughs> everyone asks that uh, well it's the Lenny yeah <laughs> yeah 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 no um no that was just a name we liked we actually had that name picked out before our first child was born so if we ever had a boy awesome. he was going to be a Luke he's Luke Robert um my dad's name was Robert and he he passed away just a little bit before Luke was born um so Luke Robert that's wonderful that is, that is a wonderful uh tribute to your father um uh so the three kids uh you said the youngest is four are they all playing in care youth league was there like i mean uh, i would think with ginger yeah they're gonna play they're gonna play in this league i mean was there any hes- hes- hesitation with you or or what's that process been like baseball as a kid and i like sports and i had you know gotten used to going to games and and stuff so yeah it's just become a normal thing for us uh kendall's on the hawks and clara's on the longhorns and luke is he'll be playing he'll be starting playing in the fall and um so about three years ago i started coaching so luke's going to be on my team next year really look yeah. at you coach coach joe and and yeah. you, you had never really you said been involved um in sports very, i mean you said baseball or whatever but like was what was that or experience diving into uh coaching kids yeah so i mean i played baseball for you know four or five years when i was a kid but i've never coached or anything but i've just kind of been around it and i've been looking for a kind of looking for a niche like where i could where i could get in a few years ago i i started umpiring at care just just baseball and i just did it for a season or two and so i did that that was fun um actually actually me and one of the dads we we almost like pulled off a little plot we he was kind of he was kind of yelling at me playfully from the stands while I was umpiring. And so afterward we said, Hey, we should, we should do a thing where like you start yelling at me and then like, I give you a warning and then like you yell at me more. And it'd be like, you, you get out of here, get out of here. You know, kind of put the fear in all the other parents. Like, oh man, they can, they can eject us. Oh. But uh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah, One hostage. Yeah, we we decided not to do that, but uh, yeah. So I umpired for a couple of years, and then about three years ago, uh, they're like, "Yeah, you've you've been around this long enough. You know, you know sports. You can you can coach four and five year olds." So I was like, "Okay." They didn't. I didn't really get any like real like training on how to do it, but I just I just jumped in, and so yeah, and it's and it's fun, and I guess I'm I'm okay at it. That, that, that age is, uh, is unique and fun. And I remember coach, I, I like coaching older kids, but we, you know, we went and coached the, the fit five-year-olds as well. And I learned real quick that it's all about how you say things right in any, in any, mm-hmm. you know, sport, but any, any level, but I remember coaching these five-year-olds and working on ground balls and I rolled the ball to him and I kept getting under his glove. 
And one of the kids, I don't know, say his name was Chris or something, but I said, Hey, Chris, lower, lower. And so we, the ball kept going under his glove. I said, Hey, you got to put your glove on the ground. And so he looked at me kind of weird and he took his glove off and put it on the ground. <laughs> and I'm going, Oh, he did what I said. Exactly. Right. I said, good job. But <laughs> no, I meant when you, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. One time we're, we're, we were, you know, playing base. It was the first baseball game, I think. And the bases were loaded because, you know, they just hit singles and the ball is hit. And I look at the guy at third and I say, run home, run home. And all three of the kids just run straight home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, from second, first. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the kid, the guys that have been coaching, the, the young ones for a long time, they know certain phrases, uh, exactly how to phrase it. And you're just like, Oh, okay. Wow. So, uh, that that's good stuff. It's, it's, it's fun. You get the, the funny stories of the kids running in the wrong directions and everything at the young age. But I, I gotta tell you, Joe, with umpiring, you know, I've umpired a lot of different levels. Uh, I still have some, some nightmares of umpiring <laughs> youth ball. I think those games are the hardest ones to work, you know? Uh, so <laughs> what was it? You get hit by many baseballs. You, you, uh, What'd you think of your umpire experience? Um, yeah. And, and again, I just did the lower levels, which are, are yeah. not, you know, not, it's not too difficult. And the parents are at that, at that level are, are fine. Um, <laughs> so it was okay. I don't know if I got every call, right. There was a call one time at first and, you know, I called him out and the base coach, he kind of gave me a look and I'm like, hmm, maybe that was the wrong call, but, uh, but you got to <laughs> stick with it. So he's out. <laughs> yeah, man, I wish it were that easy everywhere. Uh, but yeah, I, I remember uh, piring on those fields at care and just kind of start to get a hunger for it. And then the desire for later on and pursuit. it was a, a fun, fun time. So yeah, everyone, it's funny. Everyone's an, everyone umpires officiates so well from those bleachers and our couches, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's the best angle out there, but you, as soon as you put the hat on, it's like a di- totally different perspective. <laughs> um, I, I mentioned the, the Lunnies and, um, you know, uh, the Joe family, uh, mm-hmm. Lindy, Lindy, Joe, uh, Harry, Joe, and their kids. Um, th- they were playing, playing ball, play a Rio not too long ago, although time is flying by now. Um, what was it like, uh, for you guys watching, watching them play a real Hondo prep? Um, yeah, it's fun. And and of course, when you have someone in your family to root for, it kind of gives you that extra that extra incentive not just the school but you know people personally and uh mckenna's still in high school so she's she's still playing um um yeah matt was uh i think basketball was kind of his his main sport that he he was really good at i remember one time when he was a kid matt matt joe hit i think it was a walk-off grand slam in a care game and that's like there's man what bigger thing can you do in your young baseball career and hit a walk-off an actual over the fence grand slam so yeah, i do remember that that's awesome that is awesome i never had a home run in my life i hit the top of the fence like three or four times when i was little little and uh that's close as i got a walk-off grand slam good for you matt joe um that that's that's incredible um so speaking of kind of rio sports the first few times maybe you went to a rio game uh and kind of just seeing that that sense of community you talked about. Maybe it was football. Maybe it was another sport or whatever. I think football is done so well at Rio, but you know, girls basketball, girls volleyball. What was it go, like going to some of these sporting events early on and being like, "Oh man, this is a little different than just your your standard average uh, high school game." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I remember at first going to football games, and it's a little intimidating. Like I'm thinking, like I'm literally the only person 
within a quarter mile here who didn't play football. Like I'm the I'm the only say male over 15 who didn't play football. Like like my wife knows more about high school football than I do. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, it's a little intimidating, but but yeah, it's fine. You know, I got into it. I I don't you know I don't know football like you guys do, but I can you know watch a game and enjoy it. And and going to those games too, it's like you see so many people. Like, you you know, I mean, so many alumni, people that graduated 20 years ago still come out and go to the football games. And so it's kind of cool to see lots of different people. And half the time I'm not watching the game. I'm just, you know, catching up with people and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and again, um, that's a great part of it. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. And um, uh, for a while, I was going to some baseball. My previous job, I, I got done a little earlier. And so I could go to baseball and softball games, which I really love. I wish I could go now, but you know, they're at like three o'clock in the afternoon during the week. So I can't really go, but I would go to a lot more baseball games if I could. And um, yeah. And then, and, and basketball and volleyball games. I like a lot too. Cause you said, uh, I mean, baseball is, is really the sports you, you truly do love. You, you maybe yeah. like the other ones, but, but where does that, where does that love of baseball come from? Is it because you played it or, or why was that? Um, I don't know. I mean, I got my sports loyalties from my dad. Um in and growing up, uh, I was probably a little bit more of a football fan than a baseball fan, because I mean, you know, being a kid in Northern California in the '80s and '90s, the 49ers were like pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you could not root for the 49ers. Uh, but somehow, like around college, I just gravitated more towards baseball. And yeah, I don't know why, but it just became like pretty much the only sport I really follow now. So uh again again when you come down to southern california there's a lot of transplants uh down here but i mean you're coming into uh to dodger country and and you are a very big san francisco giants fan and as you should be being from uh, up north so uh was there a lot of i don't know f- friendly trash talking uh you know with the the the, the in-laws or, or care people or or even ginger for that matter i mean the Gi- giants dodgers rivalry is a very big deal. It started in New York and here it is now out here on the West coast. I mean, it's the greatest rivalry in all of sports, I think hundred percent because, because they're so even like the, just their records all time, their world series and everything. So even that's one of the things that makes it great. Um, yeah. Yeah. Coming down here. Uh, uh, let's see. Um, I, I actually found that so everyone always asks me whenever the Giants are in town, they're like, oh, you're going to go to a game. But, but I find I don't really like watching Giants games at Dodger Stadium. It's just not fun to root for the other team. Like it's when everyone cheers and I sit there and then when I want to cheer, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to cheer. I'm not going to cheer when everyone else is not here. <laughs> yeah. So it's, um, One time Ginger and I went to a game and like we're walking into the stadium and some, you know, I'm wearing my hat and everything. And a guy just drives by and he just goes, boo, boo. I'm like, yeah, okay. And then I turn around and I look at Ginger and she's going, boo, boo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Good for uh, her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I always, you know, when, when the Giants had their, their, you know, their world series run, I was like, All right, I'm going to play it cool because I know the Dodgers are going to have their year and, and I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to take it from, you know, all, all the fans here. So I'm going to play it cool. But then when the Dodgers won, the, people did not repay the favor. Like they were still, <laughs> they were still giving it to me. Like, oh, come on, guys. Those classy, <laughs> those classy Dodger fans. That's all I could say. Yeah, I was at a Dodger opening day once, Dodgers Giants. Um, when uh, who was it? Orlando Hudson, I think, hit for the cycle. I think, mm. yeah, I think it was him. But we're at this game, me and Todd Carson, and I'd never been to an opening day. 
and uh, I never wore Dodger. I wore um, I wore a, a Fullerton hat. I had a, it was you know very dark, and I had an orange F on it. And as we're walking in, this this Dodger fan, he probably had uh, you know a, a few pops or something, but either way, he got in my face and he was like, "Hey, man!" Like I was like. This is an orange F. This isn't a Giants logo. Like, are you that are you that hungry to like jump on someone from another team that you're like, well, that looks like a Giants hat. I'm just like, I don't know. I, I think it's a wise decision to not attend Dodger games as an opposing fan. Yeah. Well, once I think it was maybe like the first year I lived here and I had another friend who was in town who was a Giants fan and the Giants were in town. We're like, oh, hey, let's go to a game. And so we just we just went there and just bought tickets there. And so like when they sold us the tickets, they could tell we were Giants fans and we get in the stadium and I didn't really know the stadium that well at the time. I was trying to find our seats and, you know, there's like the top two sections that are like absolutely farthest away. And there was no one in like those four sections, but they sold us the very last two seats in the far corner, farthest possible seats away. Like, ah, jerks. Hey, I think I saw a playoff game up there one time and it was like, yeah. Hey, no one behind me, no one to the side. This isn't too bad, but no, I get what you, I get what you're saying. That That is rather rough. Um, I'll say this, you know, for me, those five years where the giants won three world series mm-hmm. championships, um, very difficult. I, I've, I, I was a, you know, diehard Dodger fan. I, this, when I, when I got into umpiring and the minor leagues and stuff, I've kind of, you kind of distance yourself just cause you're like, okay, everyone yells at you, no matter what, what team they are. Um, so, but I still was like, I don't have to love the, I don't have to love the Dodgers, but I can always hate the Giants. I can hate them. <laughs> and, and to watch, to watch them win three World Series in five years, uh, I just, those were dark times. And c- congrats to you and your, and your fanhood. Uh, what was that like? Celebrate. You said your dad, um, you mentioned him earlier. I mean, w- mm-hmm. was he able to see, to see these with you? Um, yeah. I mean, not, not physically with me but yeah he was he got to see those three the last time the giants had won the world series was the year my dad was born so um yeah to see that i mean that was that was cool and um it it was a little unfortunate being down here i didn't really get to like celebrate with a lot of people like i watched a lot of those games by myself at home but (laughs) but um being able to celebrate kind of vicariously distance wise with with my family and other people up there yeah it was cool Oh man. Well, I, I kind of know what you mean being an LA Rams fan down here in LA where we have teams from, you know, everyone else roots for other teams. Uh, yeah. So to celebrate the, the world, the Super Bowl with my, with my dad was like such a cool thing to see because he had waited his whole life basically. And we saw Super Bowl in St. Louis, but it wasn't the same. Uh, so, so that is awesome. Those were amazing years and yeah, Dodger fans. I'm like, I'm all about recent relevance and how good, but still those three titles were, were fairly recent. And of course, Dodger fans win a, 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 a little league season, 60 game world series. And, and they think they're the greatest team ever. And I'm just like, you can't say that's, that was my biggest thing. When the giants won the three, I was like, they can talk forever now until the Dodgers win a bunch. So, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. but, but you're a good guy. You don't rub it in. You just, you're humble. And then you get it thrown back out at you. Joe. I, I apologize for, for nah, the, the that's LA right. fans. Oh, it's awful. Now was it, how was Ginger when, when the Dodgers won? Did, did she, she still on the boo boo thing to you? Just right in your um, face? No, she was, she was just excited for her team. She wasn't rubbing it in okay. too much to me. Yeah. True, a true professional. Yeah, yeah. professional. Indeed. Classy. Way, yeah. way to go, Ginger. Well, Joe, uh, kind of continuing on, on baseball, uh, you know, we all have our, our fanhood and, you know, we're, we're approaching this, the spring here and uh, it's, it's just about baseball season. And, 
um, up until a few weeks ago, it, it wasn't looking good. Um, what, what have you made of this whole uh, Major League Baseball lockout that we saw? And, and we know they reached an agreement. So the season will we'll get going here in a few weeks. There's going to be a lot of double headers, apparently, to make up games. What are your thoughts on the whole process and, and how excited you are now that they've reached a deal? Uh, yeah, so a couple months ago, uh, up until a couple weeks ago, like you said, it wasn't looking good. I mean, when the lockout started, they were like, oh, both sides are miles apart and, you know, they haven't even talked in a week. And uh, and I'm just I'm just like, are you crazy? Like, there's nothing you can be fighting over that is worth losing games for. Like, you will both, both sides will lose out so much if they, you know, shorten the season. Like, this is crazy. And it got closer and closer. And I'm like, okay, the urgency has got to set in soon. And they're still like, no, they haven't talked in weeks. I'm like, what in the world is happening? And they canceled the first week of games. And man, I, I was pretty down. But then I guess the urgency kicked in. And they said, okay, we got a deal after all. All right, we're going to play. <laughs> so I guess uh, just the, the actual threat of losing games pushed them to make a deal. And yeah, so yeah, I'm excited. Um, um, can, we, can we go through some of the points of the agreement, I think, that Definitely. And before you jump there, I just want to say, you know, to me, it was such a bad look with with how everyone in in the country has struggled the past few years, people still out of work, uh, businesses not able to uh, get employees and things of that nature. It's just a really bad look when billionaires and millionaires can't come to an agreement. It's just like, like you said, there's absolutely nothing to be fighting about working conditions. You want to talk about working conditions? (laughs) Really? So anyway, yeah. What what are your thoughts on uh, some of the, the terms and things? Okay, so uh, the things that I think the the players wanted most don't really matter to the average fan. I'll just go through them kind of quick. There's like more bonus pool money to the younger players. There's a higher minimum wage for the youngest players. There's um, there's going to be a limit to options, so players aren't going to move back and forth between the majors and the minors so many times in a season. So, okay, all that's fine. Um, they're doing a draft lottery, which is meant to be like an anti-tanking mechanism. They figure, you know, if teams say, you know, we're not going to make the playoffs, we're just going to sell off our best players and save money, and at least we'll get the first draft pick next year. Well, now they won't necessarily get the first draft pick. So that's um, going to de-incentivize tanking. So I think that's good. Um, an interesting thing that people don't really know about, but I think fans will notice, is they're, I don't know exactly how it's going to work, but they're going to give draft picks to uh, de-incentivize service time manipulation, um, which I think is an, an interesting one. So like right now, and you've seen this with a couple players, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Chris Bryant were, were big examples where a player, like a rookie, was really good in spring training and the team's excited about him. They're like, okay, this guy's gonna be in our opening day lineup. He's gonna be one of our best players. And then they break camp and they say like, oh no, we're gonna keep him in the minor for, minors for a few more weeks or, you know, for another month. And they'll make up some BS excuse like, oh, he just needs a little more work on his defense or, oh, we're just trying to, we're just trying to protect him from injury a little. But the real reason is because if they keep him back a couple of weeks, they can push off for a whole year when they become a free agent. And the players have always not liked that. And so now they're disincentivizing that, which is good because you'll get the best young players on your team opening day. So I think that's a good thing. Um, okay, but all that, all those things are kind of side issues. The two big things, the two big things are one is that the designated hitter is going to be permanent in, in the National League. And I'm a little mixed on this because I I like the strategy with the double switches and pinch hitting and stuff. Like I went to an Angels game once 
And I realized like, wow, the nine players who started this game played the whole game. Like there wasn't a single lineup change the whole game. And yeah. so I think we are going to lose a little bit with not having, with not having those things. But on the other hand, I've kind of known for a couple of years that it was inevitable because every, uh, every other league in the world, pretty much other countries, college, minor leagues, they pretty much all use the designated hitter. So yeah, I probably knew that that was going to happen eventually. That has been a debate with baseball fans. I would say for ages. I, I mean, mm. just the whole, since the DH came out, the whole concept of, you're going to have a player who just hits Wait, Pitchers aren't going to get to the plate. Like they're, they're just going to throw it guys. Now, uh, you, you know, it's been a debate forever. Old school baseball fan nationally. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is not real baseball. And so that debate's over now. And uh, it's yeah. crazy. I'm not so sure how I feel about it yet. Um, because I like you, I've been on both sides, but well, you got an older guy who just hits or, you know, pitchers, pitchers is boring when they get up there anyway. But again, it seems like we are purposely taking strategy out of a game that some would call boring. I don't, but, um, and, and that there's also some strategy being taken out in in another rule change as well. Um, yeah. Um, let's see, actually, there's a couple more things I wanted to say on the DH. Sure. Oh, we've already seen this with free agent signings too. Like, uh, one of the first signings after the lockout ending, the Nationals signed Nelson Cruz, and he's a definite like only DH kind of player. So it's the first National League team that that kind of made that move. Um, the Phillies signed Kyle Schwarber, who is I get he can play outfield also, but he's kind of a regular DH guy also. Um, but uh, yeah, I I mean even things like sacrifice bunting, you know, it's not glamorous, but that's a you know it's a part of the game. It's a strategy that's kind of been going to be gone now too so oh well, i mean you know i i can get used to it i guess um okay and then the other the other big big change is that they're going to the 12 team postseason format um where so it's help be... me here help me here i haven't d- d- uh dove into it yet um i know okay you obviously have your three division winners and mm-hmm. then is it the next three best records or is it the second place team in each division? Is it just, how's yeah, it going? It's, yeah, it's, it's uh, the three division winners and three wild cards. And this, I don't like this so much. So the top two division winners get a first round by, and then the next division winner and the three wild cards play each other in three game series. Okay. And then those winners will play the, the top two. The divisional. So, Five. Yeah. Okay. Now I would, I'm kind of an advocate of like radical realignment where we just get rid of the American and national league and just do four geographic divisions. Cause I'm with you. You know, the United States is naturally divided into four parts. It's East, Midwest, South and West. And that way you could have four division winners and then you could, you could do like eight wild cards. So they could all play each other. That way all the division winners get a first round by, and there's a real incentive to win your division. The way it is with this new setup, it's kind of weird that the you know the four four division winners get a buy, but then two division winners don't, and they're just kind of lumped in with the wild cards. So it's not it's not perfect. It's similar um, to what the NFL used to be with the two the two uh, top division winners getting getting the buy. I will say this 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 part I like I like that you know it gives more. You can't have ten teams making the playoffs in, in the you know in each league, but I like that at least. They're doing, I, I think, a three-game series. You play three-game series most of the year, so you might as well play a mini three-game series for a postseason uh, because the whole one-game playoff between two wild cards, I did not like. I like a one-game playoff if a game 163 is needed, 
but I didn't like the two wildcard teams play a one game thing. And, and then we move on. That, that's just me. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I never liked the one game wildcard. The point of that was to make it harder for any wild card to get through, to give you a real incentive to win the division, but it was just too much of a, it's, it's too, too lucky, you know? Yeah. It's a, you know, a three game series is kind of short as it is, but a one game. Yeah. That's just, that's just not fair at all. Um, uh, that's another change too, is that there's going to be no game 163s. Any, any tie for division or for anything is not going to be played. It's not going to be a one game playoff. It's just going to be a set list of tiebreakers. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, it doesn't happen often, but I've liked those game 163s. Again, I didn't like the wild card, but I liked the 163 because mm-hmm. it was like, well, we need to play one more <laughs> to get yeah. in the playoffs, you know? Yeah, I mean, those game, those teams are are separated by less than one game already. So having it come down to one game, that makes sense. It doesn't make yeah. sense if it's like a, a 95 win wild card team against an 88 wild win wild card team going down to one game. So, so as a baseball, I don't know, purist, that may, you seem like one. It, it, do you feel that the 15 teams in each in each uh, league, six now, each from each league are going to be making the playoffs? Do you feel that it it waters it down now with these three wild cards versus you know, or, or you already mentioned some changes you like to see? Uh, is six teams too many in each league? It's it's kind of a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's only two more than what it was before. But but yeah, I mean, you really have a chance of a really mediocre team winning the World Series. That's the big problem. Um, I mean, last year, I mean, I hate to say it, but the Braves, they only won 88 games. They were they were they won less games than the Mariners who didn't even make the playoffs. So that's you know, it could happen already. But now, I mean, uh, let's see. I looked up this. I looked up this number. Where is it? Okay, so over the last nine years, the team that that just missed the playoffs. So like the team that would be the third wildcard team. Now they averaged 84 wins. So could have some kind of mediocre teams just get hot at the right time and ended up ending up going out the whole way. So yeah, that is a fear, but it's, you know, it's more players, it's more storylines. And I understand yeah. why they wanted it. Yeah. 500, uh, 500 ball clubs getting, getting in the postseason. Um, yeah. You, you don't so see like, it too often. Yeah. I mean, you know, basketball does it. It's what 16 out of 30 teams make it right. But yeah, eight and but, eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but basketball, it's different in the well, one, the postseason is like a third of the season. It's it's so <laughs> long. And a lot of people who watch basketball, they don't even watch the regular season. They just start watching the playoffs. And just the nature of the sport is that the best team's pretty much gonna win anyway. I mean, like how often does a really low seed in basketball end up winning the championship? I mean, it basically never happens. So there's less chance of a mediocre team getting hot and going all the way in basketball like there is like there is in baseball base baseball's different though you know you've seen it before where wild card teams it's not baseball is such a long season uh, mm-hmm. and so many games that when the playoffs come it's not about the best team it's about the hottest team in, mm-hmm. in a few weeks you know and and who's playing the best at that time because that's the beauty of baseball is the length and the ups and downs of a season the losing streaks the winning streaks you know catching a team in the standings like it's a it's a season long mission, you know, and that's what makes the game unique. And so I like that their playoffs have kind of worked themselves out. I think 12 out of 30 teams, I'm okay with it. I, I, if it went any more than that, if you went like eight in each, now you're going over half the teams in each league, making the playoffs, that would be too much. Yeah. The owners wanted 14. So really it's only 12. Yeah. Yeah. 12 is on the high side anyway, but 
yeah, uh, yeah, I, I could live with it. I mean, man, when I was a kid, it was four teams. Four teams made the playoffs, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, two series, and, and even way before that, it was just, okay, you two, World Series. Like, yeah. <laughs> so uh, what are some other uh, uh, changes in, in that to look forward to, Joe? Okay, well, there's two things that they're not changes. They're actually reversions. They were temporary things that were done for the COVID season, um, and that is the – the extra inning runner that starts on second that's gone now so that's good people didn't like that um yeah it was it was meant to speed up the game like okay let's get these extra inning games done but then like you know the the visiting team would score one and then the home team would score one the next inning and it's like it didn't, didn't really speed up the game so yeah i'm glad that's gone um then the other thing too is uh seven inning double headers is gone too that's good i didn't like that i don't think anyone liked that um and there's going to be a lot more double headers this year like you said but there's also a provision that uh, the owners can impose a rule change with 45 day notice. And in the minors, they they're doing a lot of experimenting with things like a pitch clock. They've been trying that for a couple of years and I'm open to that. If it, if it really does speed up the game and it's not too much of a, like a detriment to pitchers um, you know, I'd be okay with that. An interesting rule I saw in the Atlantic league, they're doing a rule called the double hook, which means if you pull your pitcher before the fifth inning, then you you lose your DH. So from that point, the pitchers have to hit. So maybe we're not done with pitchers hitting after all, but it really incentivizes you to keep your pitcher in for at least five innings. I think that's interesting. And I, I think let's see how these things work, you know? Yeah, th- th- that's interesting. I mean, if you get rocked early or even a guy gets hurt and it's just like, well, you're going to have to pull You're going to, there's going to be a consequence for pulling a guy. That's, that's an interesting rule change. I will tell you, I, I got a lot of friends still working in, in minor league baseball, a lot at the AAA level and such. And um, you know, minor league baseball is, is really, or major league baseball is really experimenting hard in the minor leagues with this mm-hmm. automatic balls and strike system that they call the ABS. And uh, I, as a former umpire, I, I don't like it. I think the game is meant to be officiated by humans. It's played by humans. Um, but it, it's a real deal. It's coming. Basically there's an earpiece and the umpire is there still, um, squats down, makes a call if a ball's hit or something. But other than that, he listens for a ball or strike makes the call. And, uh, you know, a lot of times the hitters are, are angry, but mm-hmm. the umpire's like, Nope, it's a computer. So can, can what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on a, <clears throat> on a, this automatic, you know, we've all seen a pitch we didn't like in a game, but yeah. like, what are your yeah. thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a little mixed on it. I lean against it. Um, most of all, I just don't really see how it could work. I mean, you could have some kind of, you know, sensor above the plate, but how do you, but how do you get the height? Like, how does the, how does the computer know where the, where the knees and, and the letters are, you know? So I, I just don't quite see how it would work. I don't think it solves the problem of missed calls. I don't know. But again, I'm willing to, to watch and, and see if it works. Yeah, the, the game evolves a little bit, but I, I don't know. Some things I'm just like, I feel like baseball gets in its own way sometimes trying to do too much. Like, for instance, as an example, they they clearly want more offense, right, in, in the mm-hmm. game. It's more exciting. But at the same time, they're trying to implement speed-up rules. And it's like, yeah. well, well, which one is it? This is contradictory because there's not too many 15, 14 games that are two and a half hours. Like, you know, so if you want more offense and you also want games to go faster, you're kind of fighting against yourself a little bit. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Speeding up the game means just, just getting outs faster. Uh, yeah, you go. And yeah. you know, you want to hurry guys up 
I'm sorry. I, no one likes a, well, maybe you do. Maybe I, I don't mind a four hour baseball game. Cause if I'm watching a game, I'm watching a game, but um, you know, it's, it's not always great to sit through the whole thing like that, but baseball is not meant to be played slow, but sometimes it is slow and mm-hmm. it's just the way the game is. It's different than any other game out there, in my opinion. Yeah. And I heard someone make the point. It's not so much about the length of the game as it is the pace of the game. So like, like even I don't usually sit and watch an entire game, but like I can tell if a game is slow, you know, like if they, you know, do a pitching, you know, three straight pitching changes, it's just, it's just really slow. And it's the pace of the game that matters. It's not the length of the game. Um, so uh, I had an example I was about to give, but I just forgot. But um, anyway, um, yeah, like the pitch clock, what do you think? Do you think that's a, a distraction to the pitcher that's not going to, that's not going to work? So I, I used it, in college baseball may last year they put a pitch clock in when there was no one on base there was always a pitch clock it was you know and and as there i think with no one on okay fine then they tried to implement it with runners on it got to be a little more confusing we didn't have visual clocks like they did in major league baseball and now in college baseball they do mm-hmm. so it's a lot it's a lot more um visible and like it's got to be enforced you can't just well give them a break on that one so I think it's as an, as an official, it's one more thing you got to police, which I'm not a fan of, Uh, but, and it's, and that said, it's one more thing to complain about. If you do call it, I mean, there's enough to complain about from players and coaches. So now, Hey, you're rushing me or Hey, speed him up. Like I think it could cause more problems. And again, what does that do? That slows the game down rather than speed it up. So it's all contradictory, contradictory, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I went to a I went to a Quakes game last year, and they had the pitch clock there. And um, I didn't I didn't <clears throat> I mean I can't say I noticed any difference, but I don't know. I just have to see in the aggregate whether it slowed games down or anything. Oh oh, quick story. When I went to that Quakes game, you might think this is funny. Um, so the Rancho Cucamon Quakes were playing the Lake Elsinore Storm, and the Storm's uniforms are black and white with a little bit of red, and so. Every time, like they made a play or got an out, Ginger would like kind of start to cheer and then be like, "Oh wait, that's not the team I'm rooting for," because she was rooting for the uniform. Every time she saw the black and white with a little bit of red make a play, she wanted to root for him. It's so. a natural reaction. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Never mind. <laughs> oh, oh wait, that's not the team I'm rooting for. Yeah. <laughs> Good for her. Got that real Hondo blood just through and through. That is hilarious. Uh, um, yeah. So um, uh, let's see. Were there any other major changes? Uh, yeah, I think that was it. So we're, but we're getting the full 162 games. I wasn't expecting that. I thought they had canceled the first week for sure. So, so I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty happy about all these things for the most part. What What are your thoughts on them uh, outlawing the shift? Hmm. I I don't think they should. I think you should have. If you figure out a strategy that works, then the other team should have to react to that strategy. On On the other hand, I do. I do see the sequence kind of the dominoes that fell when the shift started happening. And that is batters realized it was harder to get singles. So they started, you know, going kind of home run or nothing. And if it's home run or nothing, there's less runners on base. There's less stolen bases. There's less double plays. There's less good defense. There's less, you know, sacrifice bunts. When there's more home runs, there's more strikeouts. So all of those things have made the game a little less interesting and those were all caused by the shift a lot. So I understand how that has affected the game, but I don't think finding ways to outlaw it is, is the right answer either. Yeah, I, I mean, 
like football has these rules against the defense and everything, but, but they still can be in a position really to, they're not restricted position wise to, to try to prohibit the offense from doing something. I, I don't like it. It's, it's, like I said, taking strategy out of the game. Um, but you know, the, the $40 million hitters, they want to, they want to get up there and they're the stars and it's all about them. So, uh, but to your point, you're hundred percent right that it, it has made the game home run or strikeout. And that is very, very boring. Yeah. Um, to, to watch for sure. Uh, I think baseball, if, if we look, Joe, we're both Californians, right. And there's been all kinds of rules, uh, the past few years, for instance, that have gone into, gone into place that, um, are, it's almost to like make people feel good. Some of these rules in baseball, it's just, Oh, this will make people feel good. This is, but it's not really doing anything. That's why I feel like mm-hmm. about the pitch clock. And there's been a lot of rules in California the past few years. It's like, mm-hmm. is this really doing anything or is this kind of just, a visual thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, they're trying a couple different ways to restrict the shift. Like you have to, you have to have two players on each side of second base, or you have to have all the players start on the dirt. And it kind of feels like, you know, like in volleyball, you like start in a certain position. Then as soon as it's served, you move to the position you really want to be in kind of, I think that's kind of what it's going to end up being. Like they start on the dirt and then immediately run out to like where they're going to want to be. So yeah, I, I don't know. What uh, now being down here, how often do you get to watch uh, your giants? Have you seen kind of some of their uh, off season moves or how excited are you uh, for the upcoming season with them? A, a fresh start, right. For all these teams, it's always uh, hope springs eternal or whatever the phrase is. Yeah. Um, I, I can't imagine they'll be better than they were last year. Um, I mean, last year, like almost everyone on the giants had like one of their best years. So even with some good moves this year, I think they're, um, they're not going to match last year, but uh, yeah, of course I'm excited. You start the season excited kind of no matter what. Um, they just signed Jock Peterson yesterday. That's all that. Uh, okay. That's cool. He's, he was a local guy. He's a Bay area guy. Mm-hmm. Um, the, they need, they need pitching. They lost two of their starters free agency last year. And then of course, Buster Posey retired kind of unexpectedly. So they're going with one of their top draft picks from a couple of years ago was a catcher. So they're going to go kind of go internally uh with that but um let's see um yeah dodgers got freeman um i i thought freeman was going to stay with the braves until they signed until they traded for matt olson and then mm-hmm. you know obviously that indicated that freeman was moving on i thought if anything the dodgers would probably be targeting a shortstop to to make up for um seager but they went with the first baseman i thought maybe um, you know, there's two big shortstops still on the board. There's Trevor Story and Carlos Correa. Um, Dodger fans do not like Carlos Correa. Of course. <laughs> so I didn't think, not that that usually factors in when team making a, a signing, but so I thought maybe Trevor Story might be on the radar for them, but they decided to go with first baseman. But um, yeah, the you know, a couple more signings are going to come in quick succession in the next week because teams have started, you know, they've opened up camp. So those those big players are going to get signed soon. What, what are your thoughts as someone who's, you know, watched baseball your whole life and, and you've seen it change here and there. Um, what are your thoughts on this new age we're in this, this analytics uh, age, you know, as far as uh, you know, I don't know, pitching changes and, and how to, wh- which guys to put out there. I think some clubs do it more than others, but I mean, what are your thoughts on kind of this, this different approach to, to baseball from a front office side? Hmm. Yeah. Um, some guys are really good at it. Like, uh, like Gabe Kapler with the Giants. It's just, 
constant mix and match. I mean, he would take out a starter, or, you know, a starter halfway through the game just to get a different matchup, you know, a lefty righty matchup. And I mean, I felt like, you know, 20 to 23 players played in every game and um, that can be a little over the top. But then again, you know, I'd go to an Angels game when when Sosha was coaching and it's like you wouldn't make any any moves the whole game. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, there's definitely a, a middle ground. Some are better at it than others. Um, do, do you mean like during the game or with like signing and, and free well, agency and I, stuff? A little bit of both. I mean, I, I feel that, you know, Moneyball, right, the A's were, were the original Moneyball guys because they mm-hmm. just didn't have much of a budget. And and now, you know, we've seen so many Dodger playoff uh, runs here where I think fans just get so frustrated with some of the pitching decisions or like, Hey, why is this guy in the lineup? Well, he's against left-hand hitting. I mean, I, I think we, we've, t- as far as managing goes now, now most managers only win you a couple of games a year, but they lose you a lot, I think. And mm. with decisions. And I just feel like that, that, that old school manager where there was a feel right. Billy Martin, there was a feel uh, uh, Joe Torrey. Yeah, a lot of times he just sat back and whatever, but there was a feel for why decisions were made. Not, not necessarily uh, a computer and a stat sheet. Yeah. Yeah. I think Dodger fans are probably their biggest frustration with Dave Roberts is that they, he just overthinks the pitching, um, <laughs> tries to get too fancy with the pitching changes. And I don't know, even, even if it does win, you know, marginally, it maybe wins like one more game a year, but it alienates the fans a little bit because they don't, they don't see it. Like they don't get why that move was made. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I, it, it I, I think, so I different. think, I think Gabe Kapler with the giants, I think he, he does a really good job with it. Like his, his moves seem really strategic and they seem like they really work. So I guess he's, he's the kind of manager that can manage that way. And maybe a lot of them aren't as good at that. Oh, definitely. And, 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 you know, kind of wrapping up baseball here as a fan for so long, uh, we know the three world series in, uh, in, in five years was wonderful. What are some other baseball memories um, that you've experienced as a, as a fan Maybe a, a, a stadium you, you went to, maybe a, a, a Giants game you remember that was crazy. Uh, what comes to mind when you think of your baseball fanhood? Oh, I'm, I'm surprised I almost didn't mention this. I'm so I'm one of those people that's trying to visit every baseball stadium. Yes. And um, and I've only got two left, so I'm pretty close. No way. Yeah. Yeah, I've got uh, Toronto and Minnesota are my last ones, so I'm going to try to I don't know when I'm going to, I don't know when I'm going to fit those in. But. When did this journey start and, and how did it go? How did it get going? Okay. Well, in, I mean, I had been to like the California stadiums and then in 2005, I think I went on a trip to Atlanta. So I'm like, I want to see a game while I'm there. And I was like, that's it. I'm going to see every stadium. You know, that was like the sixth stadium I had seen, but I'm like, I can, I can do the rest. So in a couple of years after that, I went on, I just went on a couple trips by myself and I would hit like five, six, seven stadiums in a row. I did that a couple of times. I hit almost all of them in a few years. And then, you know, and then life happens. <laughs> I got married and yeah, had yeah. kids. <laughs> and um, a couple of years ago, so I hadn't been to Cleveland or Cincinnati. And a few years ago, I, I used to travel a lot with work and I had a lot of airline points. And I said to Ginger, I said, oh, you know, these airline points are going to expire. So I should, you know, I should just fly to Ohio and see these two teams. And I was kind of just great kidding. excuse. Great excuse, kinda, Joe. I was kind of <laughs> kidding. And she was like, yeah, yeah, you should do that. It's like, oh, all right, I'm doing it. So I went to Ohio. I saw Cleveland and Cincinnati and um, 
uh, Cincinnati is a cool park. I like that one a lot. Now, while I was nice. there, um, and this was just lucky. So Cincinnati, it's not really true, but they claim to be like the first baseball team. They, um, and so apparently the first major league game, according to them, occurred in Cincinnati in 1868. And the day I was there was the 150th anniversary of that game. And so they like built this little monument and they had like this whole like press conference and stuff. And I was like, oh, I didn't even know I was going to see this. The 150th anniversary of professional baseball. So that's that was awesome. pretty cool. Yeah. No, they, that park is incredible. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm fortunate to, to be there. And it was, this was always a dream of mine. When I was uh, in high school and college, I was like, I want to go to every ballpark and see just a game. And how hard would it be? Just one, one, one a day, a weekend every summer. Just go somewhere, see the game, come home. And and I haven't been able to, but I've seen a few. What are some other uh, ballparks that? Uh, and it's fun going to a game when you when you don't have a vested interest too, just to yeah. soak it all in too. Yeah, there's what no some stress other or anything. Yeah. No, no, have a hot dog, have a soda, enjoy. Just oh, there's a ball game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people always ask me. Oh, well, what's your favorite one? What's the best stadium? And I hate that I don't have a good answer to that because I think all the new stadiums are, are fantastic. They're, they're all great. And even the old ones, the, you know, the Wrigley and Fenway, even though they're not as good a stadium to watch a game in, I still appreciate the history and stuff that, you know, stuff was happening there a hundred years ago that is, we're directly connected to today. I think that's really cool. And also for me, like when I went, I did like an, an East Coast run. I went to six games on the East Coast. And that was the first time I had ever been to the East Coast. So I got to see a bunch of cities and a bunch of stuff I had never seen before. You know, I didn't go on these Rio trips like you where I got to see the whole country every summer. <laughs> I know. And then uh, I took a trip to the I took a trip to the Midwest and I took a trip to the South. I got to see a bunch of cities and states I had never seen before. And um, so every time I go somewhere, I try to get in a game if I can. I've been strangely enough. I've 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 been to Tropicana Field in Tampa Bay three times, which it's it's probably the worst stadium in baseball. But I've been there three times. Yeah, I've been there too. Yeah, at that place. Oh my goodness. Um, what what um, what was I going to ask you about this? So, oh, here's a question. So, so I've been to not that many, but quite quite a few. Now, how do you calculate? I should say, uh, for instance when a team moves in a stadium, so for instance, I went to uh, a nationals game at RFK park, but now they're in, you know, nationals park. I went to a game at Shea stadium for the Mets, but not the new park. So how does that go into your travels? Okay. So I've been to, I've been to 28 teams stadiums, but teams. for some of those okay. I have been to, to both. So yeah, I've been to RFK and nationals park. I've been to both New York teams, current and old stadiums. And then I've been to the old park in San Francisco also. So that's, I, that's, that's four more. So I've been to 32 stadiums, I guess. Um, but then there's several teams who now um, have new stadiums since I've been there, Atlanta, Miami, and uh, the Rangers. So I still count those, but those are parks that I haven't been to either. Yeah. Well, if you got to go back, no big deal, yeah, right? Go, I'll, yeah. I'll find some, I'll find some reason to go back. Once you get Minnesota and, uh, and Toronto out of the way, you just start again. Yeah. yeah, every 20, 30 years, they build new stadiums anyway. So you'll be, you'll be good to go. I, I went to a game at, um, at San Diego, the, uh, the old one, the old, oh, yeah. you know, J- Jack Murphy, Jack Murphy. That was interesting. That, that, that Petco park is, is gorgeous, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a great one. I've been there five or six times. Um, there was a time for work. I, I traveled to Seattle a lot. And so I've been to six or seven games there. That's a, that's a cool park too. I, I just missed a bunch of stadiums though. Like 
so many teams built new stadiums in like the late 2000s. And um, it's like if I had started a few years earlier, I could have been to like five or six more stadiums that aren't used anymore. <laughs> I will say this. Um, well, Pittsburgh, gorgeous. Uh, yeah. I set Cincinnati and uh, the new Yankee Stadium. Unbelievable. Um, but uh, it pains me to say it, but I will say there's almost nothing better than a day game at uh, AT&T Park, whatever it's called now, it changes name, up high, looking out on the water and the baseball below you. Uh, that's yeah. one of the best scenes in all of baseball is at San Francisco. It is. And I haven't been there for probably almost 10 years. So we are planning on going back this summer for sure, because during the last baseball season, my, my younger daughter, Clara, got so into baseball. I mean, she started watching every game with me. She knew all the players and she... And so I, I told her like, okay, we'll go to a game next, next summer. We'll go to a game in San Francisco. And one day, okay, so this is cool. So uh, Kendall was getting her uniform for a care team and she wanted number 24, which of course everyone down here knows is Kobe's number. But, um, you know, for whatever reason, she wanted 24. She's like, yeah, that's my favorite number. And then Clara goes, hey, dad, wasn't, wasn't Willie Mays number 24? <laughs> I was like. So proud. So yes, proud. <laughs> yes, he was. That's amazing. <laughs> So she's, she's just read it in a book. And so she's read like all these baseball books lately. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're going to a Giants game next summer. Yeah. So you are raising your children to be Giants fans. Is this what I'm hearing? It, no, you know what? They're really mixed. Um, <laughs> they're best friends with the Carsons. And so they're, you know, the uh, Cammy and Hope are diehard Dodger fans. So they're mixed. But Clara definitely enjoyed watching a lot of Giants games with me. <laughs> that's awesome, man. No, that's a special bond for sure that I'm sure will go on a long time. Uh, you know, a, a, a park we didn't talk about, a minor league park. I don't know if you've been up there is a Sacramento River Cats. That, that's quite a yard. You know, I've been dying to go there for a lot of time, long time. They built that park right after I left Sacramento. And so um, the last couple of times I've gone up there, I've been like, we got to get to a game and it just, it just hasn't worked out. But yeah, I've always wanted to go to a game there. I've been to, like I said, I went to a Quakes game. I've been to a Grizzlies game in Fresno. And yeah, minor league games, you know, we talk about how they experiment with rule changes in minor leagues. They also just experiment with all sorts of other stuff, like promotions, stuff with the fans. Like you can do a lot more kind of crazy things in minor league parks and occasionally things catch on in major league parks too. Well, and uh, you know, it's, it's affordable for, for, yeah. for families, mm -hmm. take the kids. And um, uh, you know, there's so many minor league parks right here in Southern California to go to and it's accessible. You get home quicker. I mean, if you want to watch a, a pretty good experience, I think going to a minor league game is, is wonderful. And I kicked around the minor leagues a few years umpiring. It's, it, it's a good atmosphere. It's a good thing for kids. And, and you see pretty good baseball as well. Yeah. And you can sit close and sometimes oh. you'll see a player. And then a couple of years later, you see him in the majors and you're like, I remember seeing that guy. I was 10 feet away from him, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The development for sure is something that baseball does very, very well in, in that whole process. Well, Joe, I wish you nothing but the best on your journey. I want to hear about uh, when you hit those those final two stadiums. Um, I'm, I'm incredibly jealous, man, because I've always, I've, I've hit a few, but I haven't been to games in, in a while. And uh, oh, man, I'm trying to think of places I, I would really want. If the Oakland A's end up moving mm -hmm. uh, to Vegas, or I think Nashville would be a great Major League Baseball city. Uh, mm -hmm. that could be a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, 
in in the South, you know, if they divided baseball into four divisions, like I want, the problem is, is that in the South, depending on how you define it, there's only five teams there. So, yeah, <laughs> Nashville, North Carolina, Austin, Jacksonville, they could all easily have teams. So maybe the A's yeah. live there. How now being a Northern California guy, um, do you, do you know a lot of A's fans? Would, would people, are people, would people be upset if they left? I mean, that, that stadium they play in is, is atrocious. <laughs> yeah, it is. It really is. Um, yeah. So Sacramento is maybe a little bit more A's territory than Giants territory. Actually, uh, when I was a kid, a lot of my friends were A's fans. And then of course in 1989 was the, you know, battle of the Bay was the Giants and the A's. And, um, it's also strangely, it's the one area where it's kind of okay to like both teams. Like in New York or Chicago, especially, you cannot like both teams, you know. But <laughs> for some reason in Northern California, you can root for the Giants and also kind of like the A's too. So um, yeah, a lot of my a lot of my friends out there still are. They they'd be upset if the A's left, but but for I don't know, the good of the game, yeah, they need a new stadium for sure. Oh yes, absolutely. It'd be be good for everybody. And man, I'm I, just, I didn't know your baseball journey. This is awesome. Maybe Ginger told me one time. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah. Now I'm all fired up uh, for baseball and you know the sunshine and hot dogs and popcorn yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, when they get the deal done, the same time the time change happens, and then we start you know the the care baseball season two. It's like spring just hit in like in like two days. You're full on in spring now. <laughs> Out of nowhere, yeah. Uh, it's funny, and a lot of guys who umpired. They just like, ah, they, you know, they, they can't watch it or they just don't even want to be around it. I'm kind of one of those weird guys that I'm like, I, I'll still tune in. I'll still watch and, uh, and, and enjoy it. So uh, baseball is upon us. I appreciate you chatting with me today, Joe, about a lot of baseball and also your experiences kind of seeing care youth league from the outside in uh, that, mm -hmm. that was inter entertaining as well. Yeah. Joe, I will see you around. I'm sure give my best to Ginger, to the kids, to the Lunny family. And uh, yeah, I'm sure I'll see you uh, at a real game here in the near future. Yeah, for sure. All right. Thanks, Matt. You got it. Well, what a fun conversation that was with Joe Deemers chatting about uh, Care Youth League, Rohanda Prep from an outsider perspective. And, and then baseball, man, baseball talk got me, got me all fired up for some of the uh, upcoming games. That's some of the rule changes and things I'm not that fired up about, but uh, spring training is is upon us and the season will be starting here soon and wow joe demon traveling all these baseball stadiums i'm i'm jealous and i traveled through the minor leagues and saw a bunch of different cities and places but to go to uh all these different ballparks for these teams is uh, has always been a dream of mine so i gotta live vicariously through you joe um asking you about these uh, ballparks and such so good luck to you on your travels um and uh you know much love and support to the deemers and and lunny family out there so uh great talking to ginger a few uh, months ago and now to talk to joe that was a lot of fun and uh, i want to say this about baseball you know i i've always pitched to people hey get out and watch a minor league game you can get close you know maybe it's not the big leaguers uh, but it's still professional baseball and then for for you diehard fans who have never been to spring training uh, if you get an opportunity no matter where you're at uh, I've been to the West coast or Arizona and, and Florida to see both. And it's just a good time. It's a very uh, great atmosphere. The games don't really matter. Uh, so everyone's just there enjoying the sunshine and, and, and the food and the festivities and uh, all day games. Well, not all, but mostly day games. And so you see the game and then you have your evening still for dinner and dinners and such and great environment. 
Um, it's usually you got spring break or Easter vacation going. So you're able to get away for those who have never done it. You got to get to spring training for at least uh, a couple of days. It's a great little vacation with some built-in entertainment in the process. And, and for any baseball fan, uh, it's an absolute must. So uh, the season is upon us. I used to go to spring training as an umpire and it was so much fun. And then we jumped into the regular season and it was like, Oh man, here we go again, a long season. But uh, anyway, those days are behind me. It was fun chatting with Joe about uh, baseball in front of us. And uh, again, talking, we hadn't chatted a whole lot. So that was a blast. Well, that will wrap up today's show. And I appreciate Joe Deemer sitting down with me and I appreciate you guys for tuning in on another episode of the get home safe podcast. As always, there's plenty of ways to follow the podcast. You know where to uh, subscribe and uh, rate, review, all that stuff. Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you uh, listen to podcasts, as well as our YouTube channel, Get Home Safe Podcast. Uh, if you want to watch these conversations, you can do so. Uh, our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter handle uh, is out there as well. Most of you guys follow that, and you can find information about upcoming episodes. Uh, if you want to leave a voice message, you want to contact me uh, directly through email, you can do that at gethomesafepodcast at yahoo.com, and our voicemail link is in the episode notes as always. So repeat that just for, uh, for maybe new listeners and such. And, uh, for those new to the podcast, we do this every Friday or well, most Fridays, I should say having a, a long form conversation, uh, with someone, it could be talking about their life, their journey, um, or just talking about their favorite sport like we did today and, and maybe some news and current events and things. Uh, it's kind of an open-ended discussion and had a lot of, a lot of fun today with Joe Deemers. Uh, I've been recording, uh, these podcasts, for our Friday conversations uh, a lot recently and been able to kind of put a few together that I can then piece out uh, every Friday. So they're not all like recorded the day before, but um, they, they come out great either way. And I've really enjoyed sitting down with so many people and I'm always looking to record with, with more people. It can be someone I know like, uh, you know, Ginger, uh, Ginger Deemers, or it can be someone I've never really talked to before in Joe Deemers. So uh, it kind of varies and either way, I'm good with it. So if you have any suggestions for me, guys, definitely throw them my way. If you think someone would be an entertaining guest, maybe have them listen to an episode or two of the podcast and see if they would uh, have any interest in, in coming on here. So this thing's been going over a year and a half now. Can't believe we're into, well, all two years now, going into season three. Um, approaching 400 episodes here in, in a few months. And uh, man, it's just been such a blessing for me to talk to people and just get on here and have a conversation. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, Tuesdays is just me rambling away about my thoughts on current events and sports topics, things of that nature. So Tuesdays and Fridays right now is our format. And I look forward to you joining us again next week for my opinions on Tuesdays and a fun conversation with somebody on Friday. Guys, have a wonderful weekend. Baseball is here. Uh, the weather's getting better. It's always good here in Southern California, but um, it's, it's light later at night. So kids can play out longer and baseball games can go longer and all these great things. Can't, can't wait to, to get things rolling here. So guys have a great weekend. Thanks again for tuning in. Joe Deemers, you're awesome. And guys, as always, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe. <laughs>